Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, baby. Welcome to the Smart People Podcast. Sit back, grab a drink, tune in your brain. Ask not what your country can do for you. This nation will rise up. Hey everybody, it's that time again. Time to get smarter with us here at Smart People Podcast. I'm Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. This week I was feeling a little patriotic. We just had the 10th anniversary of September 11th and I was, you know, I was just in that mood, flying flags and drinking beers and all that good stuff. And I came across this book, the author of this book we're going to interview today. It has a patriotic undertone, don't you think, Roach? I do. Yeah, so I mean, so I figured we'll give him a call and it ended up being a great interview. It's a, it's a really cool subject. Today we're going to talk about buying American-made goods. The book is called How Americans Can Buy American, and the author, Roger Simmermaker, he is a frequent guest on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. He's been in USA Today, Wall Street Journal, etc. But primarily, he's a citizen who one day, as he explains in the interview, he realized he can't buy American-made stuff, and we're just importing all this crap without the care of where it comes from. And he decided to do the research and write a book on it, and it's pretty interesting, and he knows a lot about it. You know, I, th I thought it was really cool talking to him. I agree. I enjoyed the interview as well. You know, I think we take it for granted being such consumers in America that we just want to buy all the cheapest products 
We don't think about where they come from, who it's supporting, what the likelihood of ourselves will be if we just keep supporting other foreign nations with purchasing their goods. And it was it was cool just to hear him talk about how with a little research and, and planning, you can truly buy good American products and help out the American people. That's a good point. It's not this huge overhaul you have to make to all your, your purchases. And I'm not going to say that buying anything foreign is a bad thing because right. I think there is, its there, you know, there is its place. I mean, even like we said, aside from Vizio, which I just found out is an American-based company, for the most part, there aren't any other TVs. So things like that, you almost have to buy foreign. But some things, such as New Balance, as we allude to, they're a great shoe. So if if you're having a toss-up, just go with New Balance, and it'll help us out more so than if we were to import it. So anyways, I think that's all Roach and I really wanted to say. We'd rather turn it over to the expert. So listen to this interview with Roger Simmermaker. Again, his book is How Americans Can Buy American. We'll put a link up to our website, which is smartpeoplepodcast.com. Go ahead there, check us out, take a read, and enjoy this interview. Roger, again, thanks for being on the show today. I was, I really was interested. I, I came across your book while I was doing some searches on Amazon, and the book is How Americans Can Buy American. And obviously, it caught my mind. Being the 10th anniversary of 9-11, everybody's feeling pretty patriotic. And I figured, hey, let's uh, let's talk to him about it. So I just want to dive right in and, and ask you how it is you came to write a book on how Americans can buy American goods. Well, I got involved in politics when Ross Perot came on the scene in 1992. And a couple of years later, I went shopping for some clothing at a Florida mall down here in Orlando where I live. And I had such trouble finding American-made clothing that I just got upset about it and decided to do something about it. And uh, the books that I've written are a result of that experience. But that day in the mall, I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm an American. I live here. I work here. I pay taxes here. Why is it so difficult for me to support other Americans that live here, work here, and pay taxes here? And that was really the motivation behind the book. Okay. Could you kind of give us a general overview, I guess, for, for myself and for our listeners as to the, the key topics that you cover in the book? Obviously, the title will give you a general idea, but kind of a more in-depth look. Well, the book is uh, not just a book of lists, although there are uh, over 20,000 different American and foreign products and services listed in the book. There's over 2,000 union-made, American-made products as well. And along with those uh, book of lists of American and foreign products, there are also chapters. For instance, I, uh, you know, chapters that read like a traditional book would. Uh, for instance, uh, back when I, I wrote the book, uh, there was a lot of uh, controversy about whether General Motors should fail or should uh, be propped up by the government with uh, any, any tax dollars and, and uh, federal help. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of rumors going around about uh, a lot of false information about American cars. So I wrote an article, uh, a uh, chapter called Auto Explanations, which really lets people know that uh, American companies in the auto industry employ more American workers. They have more plants in the United States. They get more of their parts, a higher percentage of their domestic uh, parts from domestic sources uh, from us, and they also support. Uh, more workers, retirees, and their dependents than foreign automakers do. And they also pay taxes. They pay more taxes than 
foreign-owned companies do. And typically I found out that American companies pay about twice as many taxes to the U.S. Treasury compared to foreign-owned companies. So that's very important if we're going to keep the tax base in the United States and do things like uh, help save programs like Social Security and Medicare or, or do things like pay down the national debt, which is very important as well. I wanted to, to get into the auto industry a little bit more. There's always you know those discussions where Toyota will say, we have American plants and American workers are working there as well. So is your main argument against the American overbuying products that are still built in America, but foreign based, the fact that those companies don't pay the same amount of of taxes to the U.S. government? Well, part of uh, the the misleading that's gone on among the minds of the public with uh, American versus foreign cars is, and, and I understand the journalistic uh, enticement to uh, write a story that says, hey, we found an American car that happens to be made in Mexico, and look, here's a foreign car that happens to be made in, in the United States. But, you know, the fact is that American companies have about twice as many plants than all the foreign competition combined. So it's really misleading uh, to to say, well, you know, Toyota is uh, employing workers in, in Kentucky, and therefore I'm going to go out and buy a Toyota because I know it's American-made. That's just not uh, simply not the case, and it's not the average fleet-wide when you analyze the situation. Continuing with the automobile industry, my, my initial thought, because as I was kind of researching and, and reading up about you on the web and everything, I know it said you drive an American-made car, and obviously my first thought is American-made cars are worse. I mean, it's just, I don't know if it's a stigma that we have or what it is, but how do you react to the fact that people say, I can buy a Honda that's cheap and that's going to get me 250,000 miles, or I can buy some GMC or who knows what, and it might crap out on me after 100000 Is that just a, a, a misbelief? Well, it, it is actually a misbelief, uh, and it depends on, you know, honestly what year you're talking about. But uh, a few years ago, uh, the Chevy Aveo was, uh, it was uh, declared by Edmunds.com as the cheapest car to operate. That factors in not just gas mileage but insurance costs, resale value, repairs, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and the Aveo is actually just before they phased it out is was made in the USA. Uh, right now, Edmunds.com says that the uh, Ford Fiesta is the cheapest car to own uh, that you can buy, which is which is made in Mexico. But we have to understand that we're when we even though we support, uh, you know, some people would go out and buy a, an American brand car like a Ford that's made in Mexico. We have to understand that you know it takes about 20 months to engineer and research and develop and design a car, but it only takes about 20 hours to put it together or to assemble it. So we have to worry about jobs and other than just manufacturing. We have to worry about engineering and research and development, design and testing, administration, uh, advertising. If it's an American company, those jobs are going to be here. There's only about 10% of Americans employed in the manufacturing sector. So that leaves 90% of the jobs left over. And if it's an American company, the 90% of those jobs are going to be in the United States as well. So we have to look beyond where it's made, and we also have to look at things like domestic parts content, which puts American companies on top in that regard. And ownership really is, uh, to me, the most important factor, and that's what the book is really all about, uh, because ownership equals control, and control equals independence, and we simply are no longer an independent nation if our manufacturing base is under foreign ownership and under foreign control. 
That's actually a really interesting way to look at that. I, I never really thought about it in that way where you do have all that R&D advertising and overhead that's over in those other countries. I also wanted to ask you, there's a lot of areas in consumer products that you know, America seems to lag behind, whether it be electronic products or computer parts, those type of things. Do you go into great detail in your book on, you know, how you can find good electronics out there? TVs, for example, people think Samsung, Sony for televisions and those American brands, whether they're off the top of my head, I'm only thinking, I guess, RCA. What do you go, you know, into the book about for, for electronics? What's your, what's your view for the electronics situation in America? Well, the electronics category is one of the hardest areas to buy American, but the good news is it is possible. I talk in the book how uh, if you want to buy a computer, uh, there's a company called unionbuiltpc.com. I have a laptop from them. Uh, that's all detailed in the book about that company. Uh, I also have a home computer by Systemax uh, Computers, which is uh, systemaxpc.com. Uh, they're all assembled in the United States. Of course, some of the parts are going to come from overseas, but you can't always do anything about that if there's no uh, RAM or motherboards or power supplies uh, made here in the States. It's going to be uh, the same regardless of whether you buy a Sony or uh, you know, an American uh, brand, uh, but at least the assembly will take place in the United States. Um, in the area of televisions, there are no TVs manufactured in the United States, but I tell people to look at Vizio televisions because they're based in California. It's an American company, and again, even though their manufacturing takes place offshore, the engineering, the development, the research, uh, design, things like that are in the United States, and these are important jobs we need to hold on to as well. So again, we need to look past manufacturing and you know, definitely need to include that, but the idea behind the book is to not only buy American-made products, but buy them from American-owned companies so we keep not just the jobs here, but the profits and the tax base as well. I love the Vizio reference because when I got my first job, I got my first paycheck after college, I went to John actually and I said, I want to buy a huge TV. What should I buy? And Vizio was new and not really as well established at the time. I ended up getting one, 50-inch plasma, like probably half the price of all the other ones. It's still alive and running well and a great picture. And it's one of those companies that I have a new found respect for. So I didn't know that they had a, an American component to them. Well, also, we, we have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, when you support an American company, and like you said, the years ago, uh, they weren't as well established. They're a little more established now. But they actually used to make their televisions in the United States at one time. But I think that the competition for that company, uh, a new company, upstart company at the time, is so great, and you're going against uh, you know, the big gun companies like Samsung and Sony and Sharp and Panasonic and all those. You know, the Buy American strategy is really a long-term strategy. If we can support an American company and get enough profits into the hands of an American company, we can use uh, certain strategies like corporate responsibility and go to Vizio and say, look, you're an American company. We're American workers and, and citizens. We want to support you, but we would be much more motivated to support you if you would bring at least some of your production back to the United States. Now, you can't use that kind of a corporate responsibility ploy with Sony or a Japanese company because they don't owe any allegiance to the United States. Only American companies uh, will, that, will that work with them. So, uh, you know, it's really just about not supporting 
not always just supporting what's American-made at the time, but developing a strategy to get some of these jobs, not only keep the ones we have here, but get more of them back to the United States. And the way to do that is to be on record with supporting an American company first, and then we can use that leverage to bring them bring some of those jobs back home. I have to echo Chris on this too, because I mean, Vizio is a great company, and it did. It started off as one of those cheap, I want to say like second-tier TV companies, but now, I mean, they compete with the best of them. And yeah, they do use some, I guess, LG parts or, or whatever parts, but knowing that they are an American-based company, I mean, that will definitely influence myself and I'm sure a lot of other people. But do you find that it might become too hard to compete with wages in terms of assembling these, these computer parts, especially with factories overseas that are able to produce the components at such a low price and then unfortunately you know their standards of living and you know factory practices might not be up to to par with the united states how do you think the the u.s can compete with those low wages well you certainly have to consider the the lower wages and the the lack of regulations in other uh you know third world countries or or even china which i don't know if you can still call them a third world country or not (laughs) but uh the fact is that uh, you know, you have several things going on in China that are actually bringing some jobs from there back to America. Uh, for instance, Ford is adding, uh, uh, I believe, about 2,000 jobs in the next four years from places like China, India, and Mexico. Um, General Electric is bringing more of their appliance work back from China to the appliance park facility in Louisville, Kentucky. So jobs are coming back, and part of the reason for that is is you have a lot of inflation over the last year or two in China. Wages are actually on the rise in China. Uh, You have different uh, other factors like the fluctuations in the currency, which has worked in our favor to a certain degree, a limited degree. And then you also have, uh, you know, the shipping rates from China, uh, just have doubled over about the last year. So uh, it, it does tend to make American workers and American wages a little more competitive, and for that reason you're seeing some of the jobs come back to the United States. I mean, uh, Frisbees are going to be made in the United States again, hula hoops, <laughs> things like that. So it's not just the big-ticket items like uh, cars and appliances, but also things like toys that traditionally have always been made in China by default. You open your book talking about how, you know, there were surveys done and things conducted And the majority of people, a high percentage, say they would rather buy American, they'd pay a little bit more, things like that. Did you find that that's actually true or is that just something that sounds good coming out of your mouth as a consumer? You feel embarrassed if you were to answer differently on a questionnaire, but when it comes time to getting to the cash register, you really are only looking at price. Do you you think that people are beginning to or have been trying to buy American? Well, it's it's both. It it sounds good and it is true. That's why I put uh, certain polls. I think the first two or three pages of the book are just about poll after poll after poll that that show uh, from different groups uh, that you know people care about American-made products and they want to buy American when price and quality are equal and even sometimes when they're not. Um, you know, but it it doesn't. It's another uh, sort of a myth that we always have to talk about. Uh, you know, American products are always going to be more expensive. You know, I think back to. Uh, 2004, when I heard Levi's was going to close their last factory in the United States, and I thought to myself, you know, gosh, I've got to go out and buy the last of the American-made Levi's before they're all gone. And I went to the store, and the ones made in USA and the ones made in Bangladesh on the shelf right next to each other were the same price. So that tells me it doesn't always uh, result in a cheaper price at the cash register uh, when we buy a foreign product, Uh, also, or when we buy an American product, rather. Um, so also, um, I, I found out when I put together what's uh, on my website for 
uh, anybody who subscribes to the email list, I send out free. It's called the American Made Retail E-Guide, and it's a, a list of over 2,500 products uh, that are American-made products that are available in, at over a dozen retail stores across America. And some of those stores, believe it or not, are dollar stores. You would be amazed at what you can find at a Dollar Tree store or Family Dollar or Dollar General for just a buck or a little bit more made in USA, and it's actually cheaper than some of the foreign competitors. So uh, it's it's just simply not true that it always comes down to a choice between a higher-priced American product and a lower-priced uh, import. That's actually crazy. I would never expect a dollar item to be made in America. I I wouldn't think that any company would be able to make money off of it. That's that's really surprising. I wanted to ask you a little bit about if you touch on on groceries and food. You know, I walk through my grocery store and that's one of the hardest places to tell if something is American made or comes from America. Because a lot of stuff, you know, vegetables and, and those type of things actually come from other countries, are ripened on the plane over, and then are packaged in America. And the consumer might not really be able to tell where it's coming from. Do you go into detail on that in your book? Or is that something that, you know, is too hard to get into? No, it's not. It's, it sounds like it's hard, but it's actually very simple. Uh, I go through in my book and I talk about how uh, the guidelines for labeling imported products and American-made products according to the Federal Trade Commission and the Commerce Department, that uh, if a product is imported from another country, by law it must be listed, uh, the company of importation must be listed on the package. Now, if it's made in USA, the company making that product is not forced. They don't have to declare that it's an American-made item. Um, made in USA means either all or virtually all parts and labor uh, from domestic sources in the United States. Uh, if, you, if it's anything less than that all or virtually all standard, you would see something like assembled in USA with global components or assembled in America with foreign and domestic parts, something, some watered-down version like that. So, uh, but what that means is if a company doesn't have to list their product made in USA when it actually is, that means that uh, if there's nothing on the package that says, you know, that's made in USA or that's, that's imported from anywhere else, by default, that would have to mean that it's made in America or they would be, you know, subject to fines or imprisonment, you know, against the law of the Federal Trade Commission and the Commerce Department. So that's really how to clear the air. But the good news is, is I tell people to start, you know, with small ticket items when they're just uh, thinking about buying American for the first time. You know, go to the supermarket where most of the products either are made or canned or processed in the United States, and, and the difference is usually between two American-made products, and one is American-owned and one is foreign-owned. Just a, a couple quick examples is uh, Clorox is an American company. Lysol is owned by the British. Irish Spring is an American brand of soap where Jergens is actually owned by a Japanese company. Dial soap is owned by a German company. A lot of people don't know that. And probably one of the best examples of all is that Swiss Miss is American, but Carnation is owned by the Swiss. So if I was somebody who was starting off in my quest to, to buy American, what would be a list of the most popular things that you would recommend that we should concentrate on when buying American? Well, like I said, I, I would go to the start in the supermarket first. And uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the difference is going to be uh, not where it's made, but like, like I said, all the 
uh, products, Clorox, Lysol, Irish Spring, Juergen, Swiss Miss, Carnation, those are all American-made products. Okay, They're made in the USA. So the, the workers manufacturing or assembling or processing those products are in the United States. The difference is the ownership of the company. That determines who gets rewarded. Where do the profits go? Where are the taxes paid? If it's a foreign company, we will send profits overseas to foreign, foreign lands. The taxes on those profits will be paid to foreign treasuries. We'll be rewarding foreign stockholders, foreign owners, and foreign uh, investors. So, you know, we're, even though it's made in America, we're still draining wealth out of the country. We're still sending it out of the United States. We need to keep it here. So it's very important uh, to contrast these kinds of things. And, uh, you know, areas like this, uh, when you're talking about, you know, soap or disinfectant or toothpaste or uh, something like that, where the consumer is really indifferent as to which product to buy. Either one will probably do. They both do the same job. They both cost about the same amount of money. Uh, you know, and, and uh, cotton swabs is another area. I go to the to the drugstore, either to CVS or Walgreens, to buy their cotton swabs, and they're less money than Q-tips are, which uh, Q-tips is owned by a company called Unilever, which is a joint venture between England and the Netherlands. So uh, it, in that case, again, it's actually cheaper to buy from a U.S. company, and you can buy it made in USA. This might sound overwhelming to you know some of our to our listeners because that is a lot of research that needs to be done into you know figuring out which companies own which brands and where the money is going you know so luckily you've already gone out done that research put it all in your book and that's awesome because people can just have you know one place to go to and find out which products are American and I wanted to bring up one of the products that you mentioned on your website which is New Balance. And I absolutely love New Balance. I probably have three or four pairs of those shoes. They're the most comfortable shoes I've ever owned. Do you have any other products like that, like the New Balance shoes that you use on a daily basis that you would recommend to people to go out and buy that they might not realize it's an American product? Uh, if you want to buy uh, tennis shoes or walking shoes other than New Balance, you can uh, buy. I've got a pair of shoes from, uh, they're called SAS. It stands for San Antonio Shoes. And uh, they have uh, stores here in Florida. I'm not sure exactly how far throughout the country that they expand to. They're based in Texas. Um, but uh, everything in that store, in an, in an SAS store, is made in the USA, from their walking shoes to their their leather goods, their belts, their purses, handbags, things like that, all the accessories are made in America. And, uh, you know, you're not going to buy an SAS shoe if you're going to go out and, and go jogging or play tennis or something, but if you just need a comfortable walking shoe, those are made in America as well. New Balance makes about 25 or 30% of their shoes in the United States. Uh, some of the other ones are made in China or other offshore places, so you need to still look at the label when you buy New Balance. But uh, the contrast there is that none of the other shoe companies uh, that make a, a sports shoe that you would use for you know, sports activity or something like that, like Reebok or Adidas, uh, those are both uh, German-owned companies. They don't make anything in the United States either, and, and neither does Nike. So uh, even though you're supporting a company that only makes 25 or 30 percent uh, of their shoes in the United States, which is New Balance, you're, you're, you're doing the best that you can with your American dollars in that scenario. I wanted to jump back to, I guess, the food and groceries real quick. Why do you think we don't have any laws on the books where smaller ticket items, whether it's everyday items, toothpaste, paper towels, toilet paper, those type of things, where we have to stock American items in the grocery store to help ourselves out? Is there any lawmaker out there that has even tried to pass something like that? 
or even come up with the idea of, of making it not mandatory, but making sure that these items are available from American companies within our stores? Well, there are various bills in Congress that have been proposed uh, to uh, you know, mandate that uh, the, per- the percentage, we increase the percentage from 50%. I think they tried to raise it to 65% for all the purchases uh, from the Pentagon. Uh, for federal contracts had to be made in America. I, I believe that uh, that didn't quite make it. There's a, some opposition to that. Um, let's see. You also have uh, other state legislation. For instance, I, I'm recalling that uh, Minnesota actually passed a law that said any American flag sold in the state of Minnesota had to be made in the USA, which is a great thing to do. And I wish other states would, would uh, follow suit on that, and then we could maybe pass something nationally along those lines. So um, you, you do have legislation out there like that. It doesn't always make it, but it's good that uh, it keeps coming up and people keep uh, putting it out there for people to see. And I think uh, after a while, once uh, people see it repeatedly, and it begins to stick after a while and they get behind it. Now, did you say that there was a bill passed to try to raise the contracts out of the Pentagon from 50 to 65 percent? Is that what it was? Yeah, I, I don't believe that passed. I'd have to double check on that, but uh, I know there was a, a lot of opposition uh, to that, and I don't believe that that actually went through. See, and in my mind, that's a, that's a scary thought. I actually do federal consulting, and the fact that half of our contracts that are out of the Pentagon are from other countries is is kind of a disturbing number. Knowing that you know there's people outside of our country dealing with either national security level stuff or I mean even lower level stuff than that, even if it's just secret or or top secret, that blows my mind. Well, even back when the, the stimulus was being uh, considered and eventually passed, uh, there were, uh, you know, laws to uh, buy, a buy American provision to try to get, you know, all the uh, steel had to be purchased from America, uh, the iron had to be purchased from here, and then there were a lots of, lot of waivers that were generated to make exceptions and kind of put holes in that. Uh, you also had during the cash for clunkers, um, there were uh, amendments made or, or bills submitted that said, hey, uh, when we do cash for clunkers, we only want to make it apply to American-made cars. And then there were other legislators that said, no, it has to include you know, the Toyotas and the Hondas and the Subarus and everything else. That wouldn't be fair. Uh, even though China and Russia and other, other countries, Japan, uh, had domestic-only uh, stipulations for their similar laws. So, um, you know, it, it's really... Uh, uh, a mystery to me why this happens like that. I would think that our legislators would want to support uh, more of the company of, of the people that uh, you know that they represent in their own district and, and other districts in the United States. But it just doesn't always seem to be working out that way. But uh, I think that um, you know you mentioned early in the show uh, a lot of people became more patriotic uh, during September 11th, and uh, there's been other things that have come along like the Iraq War when everybody was kind of upset at the French and they wanted to boycott the French because they didn't support the Iraq War, you know, regardless of how you feel about the war personally. Um, you know, it, it did happen. And then the, the outsourcing uh, with the Chinese became an issue with the lead paint and the toothpaste uh, with diethylene glycol. And, um, you know, there were just various things that happen and have been happening throughout the years uh, successively that I think keeps keeps putting this Buy American issue in front of the American people. And like I said, after a while, I think it begins to stick because uh, people keep seeing it out there. Did you receive any negative, I guess, backlash when you wrote this book? Was there anybody who was Uh, opposed to, to any of your ideas? Yeah, you always receive some, uh, you know, some certain percentage of uh, negative, uh, you know, feedback. Um, 
you know, it, it's not an overwhelming amount, but someone will, uh, you know, whether they think it's, uh, you know, it costs too much and, uh, you know, American workers are paid too too high wages or something and they, they think they need to lower their wages and it's not fair or some people may be against union labor and they want they want me to give them a list of uh, American-made products that aren't made with union labor, things like that, because they think unions are uh, you know, partially to blame, at least for some of the jobs going overseas. I don't, I don't share that uh, mentality, but some people do. So, you do receive a certain amount of, uh, you know, negativity, but uh, overall, it's positive and that's good. Well, that's great, Roger. I, I really appreciate you being on the show with us today. We truly do value your time. Your book is very interesting. I'm sure our readers will love it. And if you want to mention your website on here, feel free to do so. Yes, the website is www.howtobuyamerican.com. All right. Thanks so much, Roger. We appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Roger. So, Chris, after talking to Roger today, what do you think the first American-made product that you're going to purchase is going to be? Oh, it's de- I'm running out to the store and buying Kinder Eggs. Kinder Eggs. Yeah. Made by Swiss Miss. <laughs> I think they're German. I don't, I don't care. Swiss Miss is American and Carnation is Swedish. No, nah, Kinder Eggs are incredible. And oh, there's things so good. There's things like chocolate. You just, you got to go to where it's done right. But, but like I said, Vizio will forever be a, a company that I am like so proud of. I You're mean, welcome. It was the first big purchase I made, and the thing is still going strong. So Vizio and New Balance are my two huge ones. And I really like his advice on purchasing your your smaller ticket items, your toothpaste and things like that. I mean, it's all the same. Might as well, you know, if everybody did it, it's one of those small things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and remember that if I take anything, you know, away from this. I agree. And remember, a good place to buy all your American products is over at Amazon.com. And you can get to them through our website, smartpeoplepodcast.com. Click the banner at the top of the page or use our widget at the bottom. It's free. costs you nothing. When you click it, it sends you over to Amazon just like normal. You buy your products and it gives us a little kickback. helps keep the show running. And we greatly appreciate it. So thank you guys. Yeah. Buy American. Buy, buy American, American on, on Amazon helps everybody out. Economy stimulation. That's what that's what I'm calling it right now. Economy stimulation. Economy <laughs> That's the word that we Economilation. just... Economilation. Economilation. Like Google it. it. All right. Well, uh, thanks to Roger. Everybody check out his book and make sure to tune in next week for some more smartness.